Now it's time for the Disney View Podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle Tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, in Podcast 311, 312, I talked about the Universe of Energy attraction as being part of the original vision for Epcot. And throughout the first 14 years of its existence, the Universe of Energy Pavilion didn't have any major modifications made to it. It was the same long and perhaps a little boring look at energy. But over time, attendance started to dwindle, and uh, late in its game, it was, attendance was pretty far down. Guests to the pavilion and were telling cast members that the information that was provided seemed dated, and guests began to complain about the overly serious tone of the attraction. So Disney decided to make a change, and on January 20th, 1996, the pavilion somewhat abruptly closed for a major refurbishment. Now, at the time, no one knew really what that was going to entail. They weren't quite sure what the refurbishment might be, though there were a lot of rumors about the possibilities that might be there. Meanwhile, Exxon's sponsorship was coming up for renewal, and they wanted the Universe of Energy to get a new attraction in time for the pavilion's 15th anniversary, which would be in October of 1997. Now, there was another interesting thing that was happening around the Disney World in the early to mid-90s. There were real-world celebrities that were being brought in to make attractions relevant and recognizable and a little more entertaining in some ways. Disney hoped to rejuvenate the universe of energy, making it less dry and in-your-face scientific, and they hoped to give it a lighter and more comedic tone while still keeping the original attraction's basic structure, including the primeval diorama. Now, as Imagineering was known to do, several teams worked on ideas and concepts. Now, I haven't been able to track down any of the other concepts that were actually laid out there, so if anyone knows what they were, I'd love to hear about them. The winning concept, obviously, was the one that got a lot of attention along the way, and that was Ellen's Energy Crisis, which would take the format of a game show and star Ellen DeGeneres, who at the time had a uh, very popular show on ABC, and Disney was in the process of buying ABC and the show as a result of that. So she was so popular and had a style that fit with the concepts, it was a perfect match, right? Right? Perhaps not. ImagineerRebirth.com took a look back and had this to say. Criticizing Ellen's energy adventure at Epcot Center is a tricky proposition. It can easily be argued that when Ellen DeGeneres became the host of Exxon's Universe of Energy in 1996, both on film and as an audio animatronic figure, the original show got a vital dose of pure entertainment value that was sorely missed. Storm and Drong was replaced with levity and laughs. Science Fact was replaced with Science Light, and the brooding orchestral t- score was replaced with, well, the theme song from Jeopardy. But in their efforts to lighten the tone of the original show, Imagineers perpetuated a dr- dangerous trend that, if continually embraced in the further attractions, will threaten to topple one of the company's greatest legacies, its ability to create timeless entertainment. From Snow White to Pirates of the Caribbean, one of the hallmarks of Disney's brand was its ability to transcend the here and now to take us to worlds of universal appeal populated by characters not threatened by the passage of time or changes in fashion. Classic Disney storytellers deliberately shunned all things anachronistic, keeping a careful eye on any material that threatened to remind audiences of the real world they lived in. But now, with Ellen's Energy Adventure... We have Ellen DeGeneres playing Ellen DeGeneres, Bill Nye playing Bill Nye, and Alex Trebek playing Alex Trebek, all of it grounded firmly in 1996 with nowhere to go but stale. You can bet that in a span of time far shorter than the 14 years of the original Universe of Energy played, we will have long forgotten who Bill Nye was, if we haven't already. Collective wisdom was that it it was Disney's Aladdin that shattered the timeless taboo when Robin Williams' genie actually impersonated Arsenio Hall. Disney theme parks wasted no time in following the trend, with robotic Regis Philbin, Drew Carey, and Whoopi Goldberg popping out amongst the scenery in DCA's Superstar Limo, animatronic vegetables belting out contemporary rock tunes and Epcot's Food Rocks, and the tiki birds rapping like the 
birdies in the under new management uh, back at the Magic Kingdom. Hopefully, the fact that, that only one of these attractions survives today is less than enough. Imagineers are at their best when they refuse to settle for here and now and instead shoot for the stars. In chasing the hip and trendy, they degrade the Disney brand, cheapen the guest experience, and lose out on far more satisfying reward of creating something truly original, truly profound, and truly timeless. One addendum, for those readers who have taken a certain glee in listing the many anachronistic moments in Disney film and theme park classics from Pinocchio to Sword in the Stone to the Haunted Mansion and the Tiki Room, we implore you to see the message through the trees. As one reader succinctly put it, it's a pay-me-now, pay-me-later sort of thing. You can invest in undated treasures and have something that lasts a long time, or you can climb a rock back to the top of the pop reference and have something that turns over in a few years. Now, I think that's a pretty good summary of what Ellen's Energy Crisis slash Energy Adventure became. And I have to take exception with Bill Nye. He's still fairly relevant. Everybody knows who he is, at least in general, even if he's not on a popular TV show these days. But that's a separate story. And anyway, so the story goes on that Imagineers started work on a change. They licensed Jeopardy from Sony Pictures and got to work on a formal script and some changes to the attraction. It was originally scheduled to be a five-month refurbishment, but problems with the creation and editing of the new attraction's films led Disney to announce that Ellen's energy crisis would not be ready for the summer of 1996 and would be delayed into the fall. But Future World East had a bit of a problem. The world of motion was already closed in order to convert the pavilion to test track, and Horizons had been idle for just over a year. That left the wonders of life as the only attraction on that side of the uh, Future World. So Disney decided to reopen Horizons to help fill the void. And then they made a fateful decision to reopen the universe of energy for the busy summer season. But here's where things get a little weird. They had already made changes to parts of the show and upgraded the ride vehicles, and they'd removed many of the screens, including the kinetic screen based on the Radok design. So they wound up showing old films on temporary screens with some of the changes already made. Also removed were the maps and television monitors on the wall in the Epcot Energy Information Center in the second theater, having already been replaced by the KNRG radio tower back, uh, backdrop for the new show. For this scene, a new narration played that covered much of the same information as the original narration, minus any mention of the maps and monitors. In the first theater, the mirrors on the walls had already been removed by this point, resulting in a much less dramatic version of the finale film. During this period, some elements for the new show had already been installed in preparation for the new, sh uh, for the new show and had to be hidden. This included the audio-animatronic of Ellen DeGeneres in the diorama. Temporary rock work was placed in front of the figure, hiding it from view. However, the Elasimosaurus figure had already been reprogrammed for the new show, leading to the awkward result of it lunging at rocks instead of at the ride vehicles as it had done in the past. It was kind of a weird mashup that was open from June 1st through September 1st of 1996. Now, personally, I didn't get to see it that way, but I did hear a lot about it. It was kind of a sad way to say goodbye to an original attraction. Meanwhile, the Imagineers worked out the kinks on the movies and moved the rocks hiding Ellen's audio animatronic. And by the way, this audio animatronic was uh, the most human-like one that they had created to this point. And it's believed to have cost around $2 million to actually create because of the size of the servos and some of the motors they put in it and some of the articulate work that went into it. So the final changeover took about two weeks to finish after they had closed it for the summer run. So on September 15, 1996, Ellen's Energy Crisis reopened. So on September 15, 1996, Ellen's Energy Crisis opened. But the name didn't quite fit. Because Crisis had the wrong connotation, and it was renamed to Ellen's Energy Adventure two weeks after that, on October 1st, right on time for the 14th anniversary of Epcot. So they had to change out all the signage and change the maps and make sure that they had it correct. Now, aside from the films, what was different? Well, the exterior of the building got a new paint scheme. The solar panels were replaced with newer ones that were more efficient. The mosaic tiles were removed from the exterior side walls, and the reflecting pools located on both sides of the pavilion were filled in, and new dinosaur topiaries were added. Inside, the primeval dinosaurs had some somewhat subtle changes made to the scenes in terms of where they sat and what they were doing, and they got a new paint job to make them brighter and more visible. And the traveling theater also got a fairly significant upgrade. New guide track was laid, and now that the computers were more capable, 
the system got an overhaul to be less mechanical and more software-based. The charging was enhanced and the overall system was made more efficient. The ride layout and general timing remained the same, with an 8-minute pre-show followed by entering the theater and going on about a 35-minute journey through a film, the dinosaur diorama, another film, and then a short end segment. There were still two sets of cars, with new six-packs being launched every 17 minutes, just as it had been before. And now, Ellen DeGeneres was your host, and Bill Nye, the science guy, was the person who helped guide you on the science part of the adventure. Jamie Lee Curtis also appears as Ellen's nemesis, friend, and competitor. And there were appearances by Alex Trebek and Johnny Gilbert, both from Jeopardy, among other people who showed up in the attraction. The concept was to follow Ellen as she learned about the history and future of energy, rather than dryly telling about energy. Overall, it took a lighthearted look at various energy resources, how energy was produced, the history of energy production, and the search for new energy resources. In particular, it focused on the origins of fossil fuels such as petroleum, coal, and natural gas, and it also mentions renewable resources such as solar and hydroelectric power. And let's not forget the upbeat musical score that was added to help tie it into the new film footage. But it meant that the universe of energy song, You Make the World Go Round, came to an end. But the new score was done by Bruce Broughton. He had done some work for Disney on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie, The Rescuers, and a whole lot more for Disney. Now let's take a peek and listen to the revised attraction. First, guests viewed an eight-minute film in which Ellen DeGeneres falls asleep and dreams that she is in an energy-themed version of Jeopardy, playing against an old college rival, Judy Peterson, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Albert Einstein. Not knowing anything about energy... Ellen falls way behind Judy. At the end of the first round, Bill Nye the Science Guy stepped in and offered to help teach Ellen about energy during the commercial break. Hi, and welcome to the universe of energy. How are you? <coughs> no need to answer. You know, you're probably surprised to see me here, aren't you? But then there's probably a lot of places you'd be surprised to see me when you think about it. If you were driving in your car, for instance, okay? Close your eyes, you're in your car, no, close your eyes, in the car, but right now, think about it. You're in your car, you're driving, and then all of a sudden from the back seat, I just pop up and go, hey! <laughs> you just whack me in the head, wouldn't you? That would be, that wouldn't be nice. But then it wouldn't be nice for me to do that to you. How'd I get in your car anyway? Can you, did you lock the car? Maybe it was your fault. Maybe I'm just teaching you a lesson. But the point is, to see me here as a spokesperson for the universe of energy, I mean, that's, crazy you know i mean i'm an expert on a lot of things you know that i know that but uh not a lot of things a few things but energy i mean there was a time i could care less about it and then suddenly everything changed one day i was sitting in my apartment i i said i was sitting in my apartment when there it is i'd offer you some snacks but she i mean i can't hear me hey hey you how about sharing some of those chips no you're on a diet me how about you Anywho, I'm watching TV and my favorite show is about to start. This is Jeopardy! Yes! Told you it was my favorite show. What is? Who is it? And of course, no one locks their doors in New York. <laughs> hey, it's your neighbor, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Hey, Bill Nye the Science Guy, it's Ellen, the, uh... Just Ellen, I guess. What can I do you for? I'd like to borrow some aluminum foil, a clothespin, and a candle. Another hot date, huh? Actually, I'm working on a new experiment. Ah, uh, take whatever you need. I don't want to miss any of the game. What are you watching? Jeopardy. Yes. <laughs> a professor of energy at Princeton University, Dr. Judy Peterson. Oh, my gosh. What? It's my old college roommate, Judy Peterson. She was such a smarty pants, know-it-all. I had the best nickname for her, though. What was that? Stupid Judy. Ellen, that makes no sense. She has a Ph.D. I know, but it made me feel better. So now I guess she's some hotshot energetic professor. She's a professor of energy. Whatever. Who cares about stupid Judy and her stupid energy? Ellen, energy's the most important thing in the universe. Oh, yeah, sure. Take her side. I'm not taking her side. It's just that without energy, nothing would go. Nothing would happen. I mean, there'd be... Nothing. Well, then we'd really be in jeopardy now, wouldn't we? <clears throat> yeah, well, what is, uh, thanks for the supplies, yes. and, uh, see you later. <laughs> what is? Bye-bye. It's the Parliament of Israel. What is the Knesset? Right again. Go. Right again, Judy. U.S. Constitution. Stupid Parliament. Judy, stupid this energy. 
Maybe the universe needs energy, but I don't. I'll take a nap for a hundred. <laughs> I know. Big piece of corn right there in the teeth. How could you not see? I'm going to have to call you back. <clears throat> now, as most of you know, when someone falls asleep watching TV, that person is going to have a what? Anyone? Anyone? A crick in the neck? Bad hair day. A dream sequence. That's right, ma'am, a dream sequence. Right. Mine was more of a nightmare, actually. And uh, this, actually, we should get some fog in here. Always nice to spice up a dream sequence with fog. No, not in here. Over there. In the dream. Scary, huh? This is Jeopardy! Now, here are today's contestants. Dr. Judy Peterson, Dr. Albert Einstein, and finally, just Ellen. And now, here is the host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. Thank you, Johnny Gilbert. Hello, contestants. Welcome to our program, and good luck to you in the game. Here are the categories for the first round of play. Solar energy, wind power, energy from water, fossil fuels, fusion, and finally, gas. Ellen, since this is your dream, we'll let you make the first selection. All right, Alex. Uh, I will take um, any, many, many uh, fossil fuels for, uh, oh, let's go for 100. Fine. The answer is, this was formed from microscopic plants and animals trapped in ocean floor sediments millions of years ago. Ellen. Yes, I know that one. That's, uh, that uh, is, uh, what, what is, what is uh, the stuff trapped? Microscopic fuels and in, in plants and in animals and in, in Sorry, Ellen. We were looking for something more than just an embellishment of what I had already said. Anyone else? Judy. What is petroleum, Alex? What is bituminous? What is solar thermal conversion? What is hydroelectric? What is helium? And so as we come to the end of the first round, ladies and gentlemen, Judy has a commanding lead. Ellen has her work cut out for her, and Dr. Einstein is nowhere, relatively speaking. This is a nightmare or what? Oh, Ellen, your first correct response. Wait a minute. Freeze. This is my dream. I'm in control now. I can still win. I still have a chance to. Ellen! Ellen! Who is it? It's me, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Hey, I'm glad you came to help me. Actually, I came to see Einstein. Wow, you're getting clobbered. Yeah, this Nightmare Jeopardy version's a lot harder than the home version. Can you help me? <laughs> sure, but first we have to go back. Back stage? No, 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 way back, like many billion years ago. Okay, but can we stop at a mini-mart or something and get some snacks? Because I have a tendency to get hungry after a couple billion years. No can do. Time's a-wasting. Come on! Wait, it's not even over. It gets really weird from here. Now some person I don't even know reminds me there's no eating, drinking, smoking, or flash photography allowed in my dream. That's right. Ellen, there will be no eating, drinking, smoking, or flash photography allowed in your dream. And no videotaping. Okay? And those of you who are just walking in right now, you're late. Where have you been? I love your hair. No, not you. No, I mean, it's all right, but that's cute. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you're not completely lost. Here's a recap of what has been going on. I'm Ellen. Hi. I love Jeopardy. I used to not care about energy at all until I had a nightmare that I was on Jeopardy and all the categories were about energy. Oh, don't I know. It's scary. So my neighbor, Bill Nye, steps in to help me out. Bill Nye, the science guy. You know him? Anyway, so he comes in to help me out. That's what's going on. Got it? Good. If you don't, then that's your problem because you're late. And you think about that next time. Upon entering the theater, guests were seated in one of the six sections. The seating area rotated 180 degrees to face the three large movie screens for the first film, a four-minute computer-animated film in which Bill took Ellen billions of years back in time to witness the Big Bang and the formation of Earth. Finally, they ended up in a prehistoric jungle where he briefly explained how fossil fuels were formed. Welcome to Ellen's Dream. For your safety, stay clear of the doors, place your belongings at your feet, and do not change rows. And 
Just a reminder, there may be no flash pictures or external video lighting inside Ellen's mind because we don't want to wake her up and spoil the dream. Thank you. Why is it so dark? Because there's nothing to see. Let me get this straight. You brought me back billions of years so you could show me nothing? Sort of, but, but out of this nothingness, many scientists believe the universe was born. Must have been a big delivery room, huh? Uh, yeah. Uh, see that single point of very hot, very dense matter? It contains all the energy of the universe, and it's about to expand at an astonishing rate. <laughs> oh, oh, here. Better put these on. Hearing protectors. Because it's the Big Bang. The Piggy Bang? No, the Big Bang. The Ding Bang? The Big Bang. Oh. <laughs> Now, what you're about to witness took place over billions of years. Oh, boy. Uh, better take cover. All right, universe, you cleared for takeoff. Come on. <laughs> Go. Bill. Bill Nye. Bill Nye, the science guy. Bill. Here we are, 220 million years in the Earth's past, give or take uh, a day. Bill? Bill, I, I know I asked you to help me with this energy stuff and everything, but I was kind of hoping you'd show me a slideshow. A slideshow? I guess that'd be easier, but <laughs> this is way more fun. Uh, yeah, this is fun. Where's the energy? Oh, it's all around you. See, these plants and animals are soaking up energy from the sun. When they die and get buried, time, pressure, and heat will cook them into the fossil fuels we rely on today, like uh, coal, natural gas, and oil. Wait a minute. You're telling me that we're filling our gas tanks with, well, with dinosaur soup? Well, not exactly. But dinosaurs did live when fossil fuels were developing in the Earth. <laughs> dinosaurs are just cool. Let's check them out. Why don't we just skip to the air conditioning and jacuzzi period, huh? Alan, it's a chance of a lifetime. It's the chance of a hundred million lifetimes. Come on. You go ahead and make sure it's safe. I'll wait here, okay? You might as well go, too. This is my nightmare. No need you staying with me. Maybe I'll go. What am I so scared of? It's just a dinosaur. What's the big deal about dinosaurs? They're not so tough. Probably have a brain the size of a pea. Ah. I hope you're not upset about that pea brain crack. Because, you know, now that I think of it, I'm sure these are much larger in this time period. I happen to love peas, don't you? I'll take that as a maybe. I should get going because I'm supposed to be dinner. I mean, have dinner with friends. So I should go. Hey, what's over there?
Then we proceeded into the primeval diorama. A few new, somewhat humorous moments and more sneezing dinos in Ellen battles the Elasimosaurus.
Delicious News Radio, putting a while on your dial. Leaving the diorama, the vehicles entered a second theater where they reassembled back into their original seating formation. After listening to a brief prehistoric broadcast from KNRG Radio, which featured the voices of Willard Scott and Chris Berman of ESPN fame, guests viewed a 12-minute live-action film on the three giant wraparound screens in which Bill Nye took Ellen on an in-depth look at various current and future energy resources across the United States. Amusingly, actor Michael Richards, the one who played Kramer on The Seinfeld Show, made a brief cameo appearance as a caveman near the beginning of the film. KNRG News Time, 65 million B.C. Our top story... Experts predict a massive comet will slam into the Earth with a force of 100 million tons of TNT. We now switch you to our continuing live coverage of the impending comet heading for Earth with our KNRG Science Guy editor. Bill? I'm standing in an open field and I can see the comet now. It's awesome. It's getting closer and closer. It just hit. Wow. The wind. The wind is unbelievable. And the dust. We seem to have lost Bill for the moment, but with all that dust spreading, there's sure to be more Comet coverage coming up. KNRG News Time, 55 million B.C. Now for a look at our weather. Willard? Okay, our ultra-extended forecast calls for decreasing dinosaur population, followed by a sudden growth in those tiny little creatures the size of mice that we call mammals. Hey, aren't they cute? Birthday greetings go out to the cockroach. 200 million years old today. Boy, howdy. Hey, maybe that comet will help get rid of them. Now, here's the traffic update. Well, we've got reports that a giant elephant, a dinotherium to be exact, has popped his trunk and is jackknifed in traffic. Plus, we can expect lots of traffic at the local watering holes as the mammal population continues to boom. KNRG News Time, 1 million B.C. And now to the sports report, live from the Mastodome. Mammals dominate the earth. Mammals dominate the earth. The big dinosaurs have been shut out. They're back, 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 gone. Extinct. The big dinosaurs have left the planet. The mammals have shut them out in a major planetary upset. This is KNRG News Radio. Hey, let's check out the weather report and see if it's going to stay way cool outside. Willard? Hey, we're following a massive cold front extending from the Arctic region all the way down to our planet's midsection. Now, we're urging all mammals to evolve into their winter wardrobe because it's going to get chilly. Be sure to develop a thick, furry hide if you want to make it. How cold it is. Keep your dial tuned to KNRG for continuous news updates. KNRG News Time, 900,000 B.C. Now let's check out what's happening in the wild world of fashion. Mammals are getting hairier. That's right. Wooly is definitely in, whether you're a mammoth or a rhino. And saber teeth seem to be a growing fad in the cat world. Also, look for antlers to be very big this year, as big as 10 feet on creatures like the Megaloceros. Wow. And that's the latest in the fashion world. Is it ever going to warm up? Let's find out with a look at the weather. Willard? You know those giant glaciers we've all gotten so used to? Well, they're going to be receding to the North and South Poles. Conditions are looking very favorable for a whole new kind of mammal. KNRG News Time, 750,000 B.C. And that's our KNRG up-to-the-minute news report. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Now we're exactly where we need to be. All we need now is Ellen. Bill? Bill, Bill, Bill? Oh, Bill, Bill. Ellen? Oh, there you are. Yeah, here I am. Yeah, look, you know, it's not like I don't like getting attacked by a snake-like creature. It's just... See, we're at the dawn of the human age. And one of our ancestors is about to make an important discovery. One that will spark the progress of civilization. Let's hope it's deodorant.
covered fire! And we're really on our way! It's not sunny enough everywhere. And although the sunshine is free, solar electricity still isn't that cheap. But it's getting there. Okay, in the meantime, let's just pick another category. All right. Today, we're using the clean energy of moving air, wind, to generate electricity. Well, then why don't we just get a bunch of wind farmers to harvest a big old crop of wind? We're starting to, where it's windy. But remember, to power a whole city, you need a whole lot of windmills. And when the wind stops blowing, we'd be left in the dark, wouldn't we? No way. We just switch to another source of energy. What is rain? Correct. So we just uh, build more dams and our energy problems are solved. Not quite. We've already used many of the best sites. And sometimes building a dam can be pretty hard on the ecosystem. Seems like they're pros every one of these. What gifts? Well, Ellen, well, there are no easy answers. The sun, water, geothermal steam, even wood all contribute. Right now, these renewables provide about 10% of the world's energy. But we can expect them to be playing an even bigger role in the decades ahead. That's great, Bill, but we still need a heck of a lot more energy. Where is it coming from? And do you have a curling iron? Come on, I'll show you. Let's hit your ride with the solid fossil fuel. Oh, 
Oh, I know this one. What is coal? Correct. And we've discovered two centuries worth. Whoa. What about global warming? It's a hot topic with lots of questions. But it's one of the big reasons scientists are working on ways to burn fuels like coal more efficiently than ever. Ellen, what do you know about gas? Well, if your stomach's bothering you, I could get you some club soda. No. Oh, you mean natural gas. It's clean burning. And at the rate we're going, we're set for about 60 years. 60 years? That's only 10 more years of 50. 20 more than 40. 30 more don't, than... Don't, uh, don't worry. We're always finding more natural gas all the time. <laughs> but we do need to use it wisely. So, Ellen, how long have you been driving? <laughs> well... choices for the future. Maybe even unlock the power of the stars. Fusion power. I'm beginning to see the light. Actually, I think it's double jeopardy, Ellen. And finally, at the conclusion of the film, the screens rose and the entire seating area traveled back beneath them into the first theater and rotated back into its original starting position facing the audience towards the large television-shaped screens. The final two-minute film presented the end of Ellen's dream in which she used her new knowledge about energy in round two to unseat Judy as Jeopardy! champion. Yay! There you are! Where have you been? The beginning of the universe. There were dinosaurs, and and, and I was in the bathroom there. No more paper towels. Yeah, right. there. Could we get Ellen to the set, please? Well, you've been absolutely amazing so far. Blowing away the opponents here. <laughs> well, my IQ is too tense. But I'll tell you something, Judy. The thing that really amazed me was that you and Ellen were in the same class yes. at school. We were actually roommates. I used to call her stupid Ellen. <laughs> okay. All right, players, we're ready to begin the second round. And Ellen, would you start us off by making a selection, please? I sure will, Alex. I will take dinosaurs for 800. Uh, Ellen, you do know that the more expensive the question, the harder it is. Oh, no, I didn't. Let me rethink that then. Uh, dinosaurs for 1,000, Alex. Okay, the answer is... This is when scientists believe dinosaurs first appeared on the Earth. Ellen. Uh, what is 220 million years ago, give or take a day? You're absolutely right. 
What is the sun? What is hydrogen, Alex? What are photovoltaics? What is fire? Which, by the way, is what sparked the progress of human civilization. Alex, I don't know if you knew that or not. Correct again, Ellen. And amazingly enough, at the end of this double jeopardy round, you have managed to come from way behind to tie Judy for the lead. Well done. Well, I just had to figure out how to work this little clicky thing here. How could she have possibly learned so much during the commercial break? She's obviously cheating. Zip it, Judy. Dr. Einstein. You have no money, sir, and that means we're going to have to say goodbye. However, we want to thank you for coming here today, and we do have some lovely parting gifts for you backstage. Yep, here's a parting gift for you right now, Al. It's a long-lasting, low-energy light bulb. Enjoy the efficiency. Boy, there goes a real bundle of energy, huh? All right, ladies, you will recall that our final Jeopardy category on today's program is the future of energy. And so if you're ready, here is the final Jeopardy answer for you. This is the one source of power that will never run out. Good luck. your own energy nightmare, place a self-addressed stamped envelope under your pillow. Or check us out on the web at www.energynightmare.game. Will Judy remain our Jeopardy! champion? Or will Ellen take the lead? We'll know momentarily. Some contestants on Jeopardy! will receive a year's supply of energy. Energy, you make the world go round. Once again, the answer is, this is the one source of power that will never run out. Time's up, players. Let's see how well you did. Judy, we'll start with you. You wrote down nothing. That's correct, Alex, because there is no answer. Well, actually, you're wrong. Let's take a look at your wager. Oh, that's too bad. You risked everything you had, and that means you lose $17,800, and you wind up with nothing. Let's go down to Ellen now and see what she came up with as a response to our final Jeopardy clue. Ellen? Uh, what is brain power, Alex? You are correct. And your wager? You, too, risked everything, but you double your score to 35600 and that makes you, Ellen, our new Jeopardy champion. Congratulations. Now, the funny thing is, if you look at it, uh, Ellen being at negative 100 and Judy being at a very large number, Ellen would have had to have gotten every single one right and have gotten the daily double, and everything would have had to work perfectly to get to that score. If you go do the math on the score, it had to work out just perfectly for her to get it. And she does it. The Imagineers took some time and effort and figured out what the maximum score that Judy could be at and the maximum score that Ellen could possibly get to to come up with a conclusion that actually works. So there's a little subtle science humor in there that the mathematics works out that if she everything went perfectly, she could overcome Judy's insurmountable lead. It's the only way it would work, and she has to get every question right, and Judy has to not be able to answer any of them. But it can work mathematically. So I, I thought that was kind of a clever little aside that they took the time to do that. So that's how I became an energy expert. Again, expert may not be the exact right word, more expert-ish. Anyway, I've got to go. Look out for the dinosaur! <laughs> Kidding. I'm a kidder. Bye-bye now. Ellen's energy adventure lasted for 21 years and was essentially the same attraction. Much later in its tenure, it struggled with attendance, but overall, it was well enough received that it remained open for that entire time. There were some subtle changes made along the way. For example, when Exxon merged with Mobile in 2001, the ride's billboard changed, but really nothing dramatic changed. Now about the traveling theater. It was so clever and useful that the same technology was used in other attractions around Disney property. 
It was innovative and opened up new possibilities for several other attractions. The first to use it was the Great Movie Ride at Disney's MGM Studios. The vehicles were smaller and were operated by a live cast member part of the way, but as with the traveling theater, they followed a guide wire, broke apart, and reassembled. But the most clever and effective use of this technology to date is the fifth dimension scene in the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. After the car leaves the elevator shaft, the guide wire takes it along a path, turning it so the rider can see down the hallway. Now, more recently, the same technology was used in the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh at Tokyo's Disneyland, which used the same concept rather than following a track. Now, there was one thing that did change that approved efficiency. Sometime around 2000 and then again around 2010, the guide wire system and controllers were updated. First, the actual wire was replaced with a sort of disk system at regular intervals, and later it was more advanced wireless technology that kept the cars on track. Each of these upgrades allowed for even more efficient computer control and reduced maintenance on the vehicles. And though these were similar to warehousing systems, the innovation was really in making the traveling theater for guests to continue to ride on. Now also, the induction charging system was upgraded and improved at least once along the way. A movable transmission coil, that's basically an arm that's mounted on a platform that moved into position, was added instead of just having the magnet sitting on the floor. And new materials for the receiver coil, made of silver-plated silver copper, minimized the weight and decreased the resistance, making the whole system more efficient. It was still induction charging, but much better and it produced more energy with a smaller magnetic field. It's a remarkable thing they were able to do with technology. And still not something that you see in widespread use in today and anywhere in the world. Now one other thing I should note. In 2004, it was time once again to renew the sponsorship with ExxonMobil. There was a renewed concern on both sides. Disney hoped to maybe update the ride again and since it was eight years along from the time that they made the upgrades. And ExxonMobil, again, wanted a fair amount of advertising in their presentation. They never came to an agreement, and the ride went unsponsored for its last dozen or so years, and also had no major updates made to it. In his book, Imagineer Marty Sklar noted that they deserved a goof award when they chose not to renew. He reasoned that, in their demands, ExxonMobil violated the three commandments of rides, namely one, know your audience, two, don't overload them with information, and three, tell one story at a time. The modifications that they were proposing would have bypassed all three. So that brings us to the next phase of the pavilion. On July 15th of 2017, Disney announced that the Universe of Energy Pavilion and Ellen's Energy Adventure attraction would be closing on August 13th, 2017 for good to make way for a new Guardians of the Galaxy attraction. Now, not much is known about what this attraction will be exactly, but it supposedly will include some similar types of ride elements and a roller coaster. I guess we'll have to wait and see what story they tell and how it comes together, but apparently they'll be expanding the building footprint so it will be bigger than it is today in any case. Now before I let you go, one last thing. I noted that the Ellen Audio Animatronic was the most advanced they had created to that point, and it was a fairly expensive device to make. Disney does have a habit of repurposing these audio animatronics into other attractions when it makes sense, and often they'll simply redress it and, if necessary, replace the synthetic face. The story I've told about the timing and original plan for the update to the Hall of Presidents would suggest that Disney didn't originally plan for a very articulated Trump. After all, it was assumed this would be a non-speaking part. The change in plans to make it a speaking part happens to align with the closing of Ellen's Energy Adventure. So there's a theory that the Ellen audio animatronic was repurposed to be used as Trump. It's definitely a reasonable theory given the timing, so it's very likely that it's the same audio animatronic skeletal structure and it was repurposed to use in the Hall of Presidents. But there's an additional little nugget here. On her TV show, Ellen DeGeneres wonders what happened to her animatronic and draws the same conclusion and also notes that Disney may have dressed it and not really changed the synthetic face, but did change the hair. She shows the pictures of both and, well, you really should decide for yourself whether they redid the face and how much it looks like either one. This one doesn't quite look like him, but to be fair, I don't really think that it looked like Ellen either, so who really knows? But it's kind of an interesting little thing. I'll put a link to the uh, video 
where Ellen talks about it in my show notes page if you want to go check it out for yourself. But it's just an observation because I know that Disney often does repurpose these things, and that could very well be what they did here. Well, there you go. That's the other part of what happened to the Energy Pavilion at Epcot and what they went to to make it Ellen's Energy Adventure. Was it better than the original one? Perhaps. Was it more lighthearted? Definitely. Was it entertaining? Sure. But over time, it became more stale and more, you know, just the, the, the nature of it stayed the same and it kind of got boring in a way. First couple of times I saw it in 97 or 98, it was kind of fun. It was entertaining. Yes, it was long, but it was good. It was, you know, it was kind of fun. It was timely. Bill Nye was so popular. Ellen was popular and it just kind of fit. It worked. Then I got to see it again in 2014 or 15 and I sat there through it and I went, yawn. It wasn't, it didn't have that same compelling feeling to me. It was too long. We become more of an instant gratification type of audience, so it's kind of hard to take in. And you kind of look at it and wonder, why did they make that change or why do they leave it for so long? But they did. And uh, that's okay. You know, that's just the choice they made. You wonder why they didn't close that and maybe put Mission Space there and leave Horizons alone. But they did what they did. Disney chooses to do the things they do. We really have no say or no ability to uh, challenge them on it. That's just what they choose to do. And we lament it to a large degree as, a, as fans of the parks. But that's the way it works. So anyway, that's the history of the Energy Pavilion at Epcot and uh, everything that you could probably, pretty much anything you could know about it was probably contained somewhere in this podcast. There are probably some other nuggets that I've left out, but hopefully I've given you the flavor of everything that changed. Well, that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there... Please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company.